you people are dorks. The Voice Box, Volume One. The move with the Rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to the Voice Box. Brad and Frank and kiss Bill's butt. And now, here are your hosts, Bill, Bill, and Bill. Hey y'all, it's nice to have you with us here on a Sunday afternoon. Um, my name is uh, Bill, you might know me as The Voice, and we're going to have a lot of fun today. I've decided to go ahead and uh, take Brad and Frank up on their challenge. That's right, they, uh, they dared me not to do my own podcast, and I said, you know what? Not only will I not not do my own podcast, but I will not not have it hosted on Half Hour Wasted, uh, H-H-W-L-O-D, as it's called these days, um, which really just rings a lot better, doesn't it? Um, I find that uh, H-H-W-L-O-D is a lot easier to type than Half Hour Wasted, or Legion of Dudes for that matter, so uh, good for me. Little agenda for today. Um, we've got a lot to talk about. Flash Rebirth uh, came out, issue one. I don't know anybody who wasn't extremely excited about this. I know for my own purposes, uh, it is maybe the one cook that I have been looking forward to most, uh, other than the Blackest Night run uh, coming up. So uh, uh, for me, good stuff. We'll uh, we'll get deep into that. We uh, also have to talk about the uh, finale of Battlestar Galactica. Hopefully you guys, uh, you boys and girls out there, uh, enjoyed it as much as I did. And I know you all enjoyed it more than Brad because he hasn't seen one stinking episode of it yet. I would like to invite all of you to uh, email or uh, voicemail Brad and let him know exactly what you think about his decision to have never seen one episode of Battlestar Galactica. Uh, Myself, I'm a little disappointed in the cat. But uh, you know what? He's still a good buddy of mine, and I'm not going to be the one to give him a lot of heck over this. Yeah, there is, again, so much going on. Uh, I went down and uh, took advantage of the Zeus uh, Records, uh, excuse me, Zeus comic book shop uh, 50% sale. That was uh, all toys, back issues, and trade paperbacks. And uh, there was a couple of things I wasn't able to find. Uh, I couldn't find uh, All-Star Superman Volume 2, and I think I figured out why. I don't think it's been released yet. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I was Bitterly disappointed not to find uh, Marvel's What If Volume 1, though. You know, harking back to my days as a youth. Life is good when you can harken back to the days of your youth. And, um, yeah, let's see. What else? Like I said, there, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, the uh, Avengers Invaders crossover is uh, wrapping up. Um, uh, the last movie I saw was Watchmen. Uh, I'm not going to go over that again. Uh, got a bunch of Legion back issues. Um, got my Doctor Strange figurine. Uh, got a uh, uh, Batman uh, figurine for uh, Little Sage. Uh, you all certainly know him almost as well as you know me. So, uh, you know, think good. Uh, the agenda's packed. Uh, we're going to get to all that. But first, um, as I've been promising you all for uh, quite a while now, the book Dune. So if you all want to uh, pull up in your easy chair, uh, relax a little bit. Um, I uh, don't know how much of this I'm going to get through uh, today, but um, uh, without further ado, the book, Dune. 
Beginning is the time for taking the most delicate care that the balances are correct. This, every sister of the Bene Gesserit knows. To be in your study of the life of Muad'Dib, then, take care that you first place him in his time. Born in the 57th year of the Padishah Emperor, Shaddam IV. And take the most special care that you locate Muad'Dib in his place, the planet Arrakis. Do not be deceived by the fact that he was born on Caladan and lived his first 15 years there. Arrakis, the planet known as Dune, is forever his place. From Manual of Muad'Dib by the Princess Irilan. In the week before their departure to Arrakis, when all the final scurrying about had reached a nearly unbearable frenzy, an old crone came to visit the mother of the boy. It was a warm night at Castle Caladan, and the ancient pile of stone that had served the Atreides family at home for twenty-six generations bore that cooled sweat feeling it acquired before a change in the weather. The old woman was led in by the side door, down the vaulted passage by Paul's room, and she was allowed a moment to peer in at him where he lay in his bed. By the half-light of a suspenser lamp, dimmed and hanging near the floor, the awakened boy could see a bulky female shape at his door standing one step ahead of his mother. The old woman was a witch shadow, hair like matted spider webs, hooded round, darkness of features, eyes like glittering jewels. "'Is he not small for his age, Jessica?' the old woman asked. Her voice wheezed and twanged like an untuned balisette. Paul's mother answered her in a soft contralto. Trades are known to start late getting their growth through reverence. So I've heard, so I've heard, wheezed the old woman. Yet he's already fifteen. Yes, your reverence. He's awake and listening to us, said the old woman. Sly little rascal, she chuckled. But royalty has he, and if he's really the Kwisatz Haderach, well. Within the shadows of his bed, Paul held his eyes open to mere slits. Two bird-bright ovals, the eyes of the old woman, seemed to expand and glow as they stared into his... Sleep well, you sly little rascal, said the old woman. Tomorrow you'll need all your faculties to meet my gom jabbar. And she was gone, pushing his mother out, closing the door of the solid thump. Paul lay awake, wondering, what's a gom jabbar? In all the upset during this time of change, the old woman was the strangest thing he had seen. Your reverence. And the way she called his mother Jessica like a common serving wench instead of what she was, a Benny Gesserit lady, a duke's concubine and mother of the ducal heir. Is a Gamjabar something of Arrakis I must know before we go there, he wondered. He mouthed her strange words. Gamjabar, Kwisatz Haderach. There had been so many things to learn. Arrakis would be a place so different from Caladan that Paul's mind whirled with the new knowledge. Dune, desert planet. Thufur Hawat, his father's master of assassins, had explained it. Their mortal enemies, the Harkonnens, had been on Arrakis eighty years, holding the planet in quasi-fife under a chome company contract to mine the geriatric spice melange. Now the Harkonnens were leaving to be replaced by the House of Atreides in Fife Complete, an apparent victory for the Duke Leto. Yet Hawat had said, this appearance contained the deadliest peril, for the Duke Leto was popular among the great houses of the Lansrod. A popular man arouses the jealousy of the powerful, Hawat had said. Arrakis. Dune desert planet. Paul fell asleep to dream of an Arachene cavern, silent people all around him moving in the dim light of glow globes. It was solemn there, and like a cathedral as he listened to a faint sound, the drip, drip, drip of water. Even while he remained in the dream, Paul knew he would remember it upon awakening. He always remembered the dreams that were predictions. The dream faded. Paul half awoke to feel himself in the warmth of his bed, thinking, thinking, 
This world of Castle Caledon, without play or companions his own age, perhaps did not deserve sadness and farewell. Dr. Yui, his teacher, had hinted that the Farfalich's class system was not rigidly guarded on Arrakis. The planet sheltered people who lived at the desert edge without Cade or Basher to command them. Will-o'-the-sand people called Fremen marked down on no census of the Imperial Regate. Arrakis. Dune. Desert planet. Paul sensed his own tensions, decided to practice one of the mind-body lessons his mother had taught him. Three quick breaths triggered the responses. He fell into the floating awareness, focusing the consciousness, aortal dilation, avoiding the unfocused mechanism of consciousness, to be conscious by choice, blood enriched and swift-flowing the overload regions. One does not obtain food safety freedom by instinct alone. Animal consciousness does not extend the nor into the idea that its victims may become extinct. The animal destroys and not produce. Animal pleasures remain close to sensation levels and avoid the perceptual. The human requires a background grid through which to see his universe. Focused consciousness by choice. This forms your grid. Bodily integrity follows nerve blood flow according to the deepest awareness of cell needs. All things, cells, beings, are impermanent. Strive for flow permanence within. Over and over and over within Paul's floating awareness, the lesson rolled. When dawn touched Paul's window sill with yellow light, he sensed it through closed eyelids, opened them, hearing them, then the renewed bustle and hurry in the castle, seeing the familiar patterned beams of his bedroom ceiling. The hall door opened and his mother peered in, hair like shaded bronze held with a black ribbon at the crown, her oval face emotionless and green eyes staring solemnly. You're awake, she said. Did you sleep well? Yes. He studied the tallness of her, the tension in her shoulders she chose clothing for him from the closet racks. Another might have missed the tension, but she had trained him in the Bene Gesserit way, in the minutiae of observation. She turned, holding a semi-formal jacket for him. It carried the red Atreides hawk crest above the breast pocket. Hurry and dress, she said. Reverend Mother is waiting. I dreamed of her once, Paul said. Who is she? She was my teacher at the Bene Gesserit school. Now she's the Emperor's truth-sayer. And Paul, she hesitated, you must tell her about your dreams. I will. Is she the reason we got Arrakis? We did not get Arrakis. Jessica flicked dust from a pair of trousers, hung them with the jacket on the dressing stand beside his bed. Don't keep Reverend Mother waiting. Paul sat up, hugged his knees. What's a gom jabbar? Again, the training she had given him exposed her almost invisible hesitation, a nervous betrayal she had felt as fear. Jessica crossed to the window, flung wide the draperies, stared across the river orchard towards Mount Sea. You'll learn about the Gamjabar soon enough, she said. He heard the fear in her voice and wondered at it. Jessica spoke without turning. Reverend Mother is waiting in my morning room. Please hurry. The Reverend Mother, gay as Helen Moham, sat in a tapestry chair watching Mother and Son approach. Windows on each side of her overlooked the curving southern bend of the river and the green farmlands of the Atreides family holding, but the Reverend Mother ignored the view. She was feeling her age this morning, more than a little petulant. She blamed it on space travel in association with that abominable spacing guild in its secretive ways. But here was a mission that required personal attention from the Bene Gesserit with the site. Even the Padishah Emperor's truth-sayer couldn't evade that responsibility when the duty call came. Damn Jessica, the Reverend Mother thought. If only she'd borne us a girl as she was ordered to do. Jessica stopped three paces from the chair, dropped a small curtsy, a gentle flick of left hand along the line of her skirt. Paul gave the short bow his dancing master had taught, 
the one used when in doubt of another station. The nuances of Paul's greed lost in the Reverend Mother. She said, He's a cautious one, Jessica. Jessica's hand went to Paul's shoulder, tightened there. For a heartbeat, fear pulsed through her palm. Then she had herself under control. Thus, he has been taught your reverence. What does she fear, Paul wondered. The old woman studied Paul in one gestalt and flicker, face oval like Jessica's but strong bones. Hair, the duke's black black but with brow line of the maternal grandfather who cannot be named, and that thin disdainful nose, shape of directly staring green eyes, like the old duke, the paternal grandfather, who is now dead. Now there was a man who appreciated the power of bravura, even in death, the reverend mother thought. Teaching is one thing, she said. The basic ingredient is another. We shall see. The old eyes darted a hard glance at Jessica. Leave us. I enjoin you to practice the meditation of peace. Jessica took her hand from Paul's shoulder. Your reverence, I... Jessica, you know it must be done. Paul looked up at his mother, puzzled. Jessica straightened. Yes. Paul looked back at the reverend mother. Politeness and his mother's obvious awe of this old man argued caution. Yet he felt an angry apprehension at the fear he sensed radiating from his mother. Paul. Jessica took a deep breath. This test you're about to receive, it's important to me. Test? He looked up at her. Remember that you're a duke's son, Jessica said. She whirled and strode from the room in a dry swishing of skirt. The door closed solidly behind her. Paul faced the old woman, holding anger in check. Does one dismiss the lady Jessica as though she were a serving wench? A smile flicked the corners of the wrinkled mouth. The lady Jessica was a serving wench lad for fourteen years of school, she nodded. And a good one, too. Now you come here. The command whipped out at him. Paul found himself obeying before he could think about it. Using the voice on me, he thought. He stopped at her gesture, standing beside her knees. See this, she asked. From the folds of her gown, she lifted a green metal cube about fifteen centimeters on the side. She turned it, and Paul saw that one side was open, blackly frightening. No light penetrated that open blackness. Put your right hand in the box, she said. Fear fought through Paul. He started to back away, but the old woman said, Is this how you obey your mother? He looked up into bird-bright eyes. Slowly, feeling the compulsions and unable to inhibit them, Paul put his hand into the box. His, he first felt a sense of cold as the blackness closed around his hand, then slick metal against his fingers and a prickling as though his hand were asleep. A predatory look filled the old woman's features. She lifted her right hand away from the box and poised the hand close to the side of Paul's neck. He saw a glint of metal there and started to turn towards it. Stop! she snapped. Using the voice again, he swung his attention back to her face. I hold at your neck the Gom Jabbar, she said. The Gom Jabbar, the high-handed enemy. It's a needle with a drop of poison on its tip. Ah, don't pull away or you'll feel that poison. Paul tried to swallow in a dry throat. He could not take his attention from the seamed old face, the glistening eyes, the pale gums around silvery metal teeth that flashed as she spoke. A duke's son must know about poisons, she said. It's the way of our times, eh? Musky to be poison in your drink. Almost to be poison in your food. The quick ones and the slow ones, the ones in between. Here's a new one for you. The Gom Jabbar. It kills only animals. Pride overcame Paul's fear. You dare suggest a duke's son is an animal? He demanded. Let us say I suggest you may be human, she said. Steady. I warn you not to try jerking away. I am old, but my hand can drive this needle into your neck before you escape me. Who are you? He whispered. How did you trick my mother into leaving me alone with you? Are you from the Harkonnens? The Harkonnens? Bless us, no. Now be silent. A dry finger touched his neck, and he stifled the involuntary urge to leap away. Good, she said. You passed the first test. 
Now here's the way of the rest of it. If you withdraw your hand from the box, you die. This is the only rule. Keep your hand in the box and live. Withdraw it and die. Paul took a deep breath, distills trembling. If I call out, there'll be servants on you in second. Servants will not pass your mother who stands guard outside that door. Depend on it. Your mother survived this test. Now it's your turn. Be honored. We seldom administer this to men, children. Curiosity reduced Paul's fear to a manageable level. He heard truth in the old woman's voice, no denying it. If his mother stood guard out there, if this were truly a test, and whatever it was, he knew himself caught in it, trapped by that hand at his neck, the Gamjabar. He recalled the response from the litany against fear as his mother had taught him out of the Bene Gesserit rite. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me, and when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear is gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. He felt Commodus return, said, Get on with it, old woman. Old woman, she snapped. You've courage, and that can't be denied. Well, we shall see, Sarah. She bent close, lowered her voice almost to a whisper. You will feel pain in this hand within the box. Pain, but withdraw the hand, and I'll touch your neck with my gamjabar. The death's so swift, it's like the fall of the headman's axe. Withdraw your hand, and the gamjabar takes you. Understand? What's in the box? Pain. He felt increased tingling in his hand, pressed his lips tightly together. How could this be a test, he wondered. The tingling became an itch. The old woman said, You've heard of animals chewing off a leg to escape a trap? There's an animal kind of trick. A heel trap. Endure the pain, feigning death that he might kill the trapper and remove a threat to his kind. The itch became the faintest burning. Why are you doing this, he demanded. To determine if you're human. Be silent. Paul clenched his left hand into a fist as the burning sensation increased in his other hand. It mounted slowly. Heat upon heat upon heat upon heat. He felt the fingernails of his free hand biting the palm. He tried to flex the fingers of the burning hand but couldn't move them. It burns, he whispered. Silence. Pain throbbed up his arm. Sweat stood out of his forehead. Every fiber cried out to withdraw the hand from that burning pit. But the Gamjabar. Without turning his head, he tried to move his eyes to see that terrible needle poised beside his neck. He sensed that he was breathing in gasps. Tried to slow his breaths and couldn't. Pain. His world emptied of everything except that hand immersed in agony. The ancient face inches away, staring at him. His lips were so dry he had difficulty separating them. The burning. The burning. He thought he could feel skin curling black on that agonized hand, crisping and dropping away until only charred bones remained. It stopped. As though a switch had been turned off, the pain stopped. Paul felt his right arm trembling, felt sweat bathing his body. Enough, the old woman muttered. Kulwahad. No woman child ever withstood that much. I must have wanted you to fail. She leaned back, withdrawing the Gamjabar from the side of his neck. Take your hand from the box, young human, and look at it. He fought down an aching shiver, stared at the lightless void where his hand seemed to remain of its own volition. Memory of pain inhibited every movement. Reason told him that he would withdraw a blackened stump from that box. Do it, she snapped. He jerked his hand from the box, stared at it, astonished. Not a mark, no sign of agony on the flesh. He held up the hand, turned it, flexed the fingers. Pain by nerve induction, she said. Can't go around maiming potential humans. There are those who'd give a pretty for the secret of this box, though. She slipped into the folds of her gown. But the pain, he said. Pain, she sniffed. A human can override any nerve in the body. Paul felt left, uncurled the clenched fingers, looked at four bloody marks where fingernails bit in his palm. He dropped the hand to his side, looked at the old woman. You did that to my mother once. Ever sift sand through a screen, she asked. 
The tangential slash of her questions shocked his mind into a higher awareness. Sand through a screen, he nodded. We've been a Jesuit sift people to find the humans. He lifted his right hand, willing the memory of the pain. And that's all there is to it? Pain? I observed you in pain, lad. Pain's merely the axis of the test. Your mother's told you about her ways of observing. I see the signs of her teaching in you. Our test is crisis and observation. He heard the confirmation in her voice, said, It's truth. She stared at him. He senses truth. Could he be the one? Could he truly be the one? She extinguished the excitement, reminding herself, Hope clouds observation. You know when people believe what they say, she said. I know it. The harmonics of ability confirmed by repeated tests were in his voice. She heard them, said, Sit down, little brother, here at my feet. I prefer to stand. Your mother sat at my feet once. I'm not my mother. You hate us just a little, eh? She looked towards the door, caught Jessica. The door flew open and Jessica stood there, turning hard-eyed into the room. Hardness melted from her as she saw Paul. She managed a faint smile. Jessica, have you ever stopped hating me? The old woman asked. I both love and hate you, Jessica said. The hate, that's in the pains I must never forget. The love, that's... Just the basic fact, the old woman said, but her voice was gentle. You may come in now, but remain silent. Close that door and mind it that no one interrupts us. Jessica stepped into the room, closed the door and stood with her back to it. My son lives, she thought. My son lives and is human. I knew he was, but he lives. Now I can go on living. The door felt hard and real against her back. Everything in the room was immediate and pressing against her senses. My son lives. Paul looked at his mother. She told the truth. He wanted to get away alone and think of his experience, but knew he could not leave until he was dismissed. The old woman had gained a power over him. They spoke truth. His mother had undergone this test. There must be terrible purpose in it. The pain and fear had been terrible. He understood terrible purposes. They drove against all odds. They were their own necessity. Paul felt that he had been affected with terrible purpose. He did not know yet what that terrible purpose was. Some day, lad, the old woman said, you too may have to stand outside a door like that. It takes a measure of doing. Paul looked down at the hand that had known pain, then up to the Reverend Mother. The sound of her voice had contained a difference, then, from any other voice in his experience. The words were outlined in brilliance. There was an edge to them. He felt that any question he might ask her would bring an answer that could lift him out of his flesh world into something greater. Why do you test for humans, he asked. To set you free. Free? One thinking over to machines in the hope that this would set them free, but that only permitted other men with machines to enslave them. Thou shalt not make a machine in the likeness of a man's mind, Paul quoted. Right out of the Butlerian Jihad in the Orange Catholic Bible, she said, but what the O.C. Bible should have said is this, Thou shalt not make a machine to counterfeit a human mind. Have you studied the Mentat in your service? I've studied with Thuverhuat. The Great Revolt took away a crutch, she said. It forced human minds to develop. Schools were started to train human talents. Bene Gesserit schools? She nodded. We have two chief survivors of those ancient schools, the Bene Gesserit and the Spacing Guild. The Guild, so we think, emphasizes almost pure mathematics. Bene Gesserit performs another function. Politics, he said. Kul Wahad, the old woman said. She sent a hard glance at Jessica. I've not told him, your reverence, Jessica said. The reverend mother returned her attention to Paul. You did that on remarkably few clues, she said. Politics, indeed. The original Bene Gesserit schools saw the need of a thread of continuity in human affairs. 
They saw there could be no such continuity without separating human stock from animal stock for breeding purposes. The old woman's words abruptly lost their special sharpness for Paul. He felt an offense against what his mother called his instinct for rightness. It wasn't that the Reverend Mother lied to him. She obviously believed what she said. It was something deeper, something tied to his terrible purpose. He said, But my mother tells me many Benny Jesuit of the schools don't know their ancestry. The genetic lines are always in our records, she said. Your mother knows that she's either of Benny Jesuit descent or her stock was acceptable in itself. Then why couldn't she know who her parents are? Some do. Many don't. We might, for example, have wanted her to breed to a close relative to set up a dominant in some genetic trait. We have many reasons. Again, Paul felt the offense against rightness. He said, You take a lot on yourselves. The Reverend Mother stared at him, wondering, Did I hear criticism in his voice? We carry a heavy burden, she said. Paul felt more and more out of the back of the test. He leveled a measuring stare at her, said, You say maybe I'm the Quisatatarak. What's that, a human Gamjabar? Paul, Jessica said, You mustn't take that tone with... I'll handle this, Jessica, the old woman said. Now, lad, do you know about the truth Sarah drug? You take it to improve your ability to detect falsehood, he said. My mother's told me. Have you ever seen truth trance? He shook his head. No. The drug's dangerous, she said, but it gives insight. When a truth sayer is gifted by the drug, she can look many places in her memory, in her body's memory. We look down so many avenues of the past, but only feminine avenues. Her voice took on a note of sadness. Yet there's a place where no truth sayer can see. We are repelled by it, terrorized. It is said a man will come one day and find the gift of the drug in his inward eye. He will look where we cannot into both the feminine and masculine pasts. Your Kwisatz Haderach. Yes, the one who can be many places at once, the Kwisatz Haderach. Many men have tried the drug, so many, but none has succeeded. And failed all of them? Oh no, she shook her head. They tried and died. Whew. All right, so that's uh, chapter one of Dune. Um, it's going to take a while to get through this book. I uh, had a level with you, uh, you kind uh, listeners of Half Hour Wasted, and I guess you Legion of Dudes listeners. And I'm not going to lie to you. Um, who knows uh, how long it's going to take me to finish this book. Um, it may be like uh, Frank and Brad intended. It may be Half Hour Wasted, 5,574, which uh scheduled, I believe, to air... In the year 2281. So, um, you know what? Um, with uh, genetic advances and uh, gene therapy and, uh, you know what, just good, clean, healthy living, um, there's a good chance that you may see the year 2281. If so, um, keep a lookout uh, because um, promptly in the year 22, I will start on Dune Messiah. All right, so I said uh, before the uh, for the reading of the Book of Dune, my extended reading of the Book of Dune, that uh, we would go through um, uh, the Flash, Battlestar Galactica. I had a bunch of stuff I wanted to give, but we're running low on time, so I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to encapsulate my views of the Flash and Battlestar Galactica and uh, maybe get out of here. Um, the Flash. I give uh, the Flash Rebirth Issue 1 five reverse flashes out of five. Um, I think it was a tour de force, and... Uh, um, I've had this discussion with some people. Um, I thought it was uh, better than they did. So, uh, bully for me. I win. Um, Battlestar Galactica. I give that four and a half reverse flashes out of five. A tour de force of an episode. Um, if I truly understood the very last scene in that, I'd probably give it five reverse flashes out of five. But 
Hey, that's how it goes sometimes. Ooh, man, I don't want to get out of here without uh, mentioning our uh, in-stock trades or DCBS. Either way, you're getting a great deal. Because at DCBS, you get comics delivered to your house. Cheap! At least if it's Marvel or DC. Give us the independents. They catch the best deal they can. You know that. You've dealt with them. Or you could. And in-stock trades, what can we say about in-stock trades that hasn't been said before? If you want a trade paperback or a hardcover or an omnibus, um, I know there's other kinds of trade paperbacks. I'm just forgetting. That's okay. I can do that. It's my show. Um, you know, go to in-stock trades. Um, order $50 of the stuff. Get a ship free. Uh, man, you can get a stack of stuff for nothing. Well, okay, it's 50 bucks, but... I mean, you're getting, what, let me do math here, you're getting at least $85 of the stuff for bucks. Okay, I just did that in the back of my head. I don't have a calculator, so if anybody does the math and finds out I was wrong, you know what, keep it to yourselves. I'm not really interested in hearing it. Uh, that's not to say that, uh, that you kind, good, strong, gentle, clean listeners aren't what makes this show tick. And you know what, without you, there's no us, so... I just want to say on behalf of uh, Frank and Brad that we appreciate every single last one of you, and we appreciate your largesse in listening to this, the first Dune experiment. Um, sure to be the, um, the the hit of the podcast world, and um, I haven't told Frank and Brad yet, uh, but I think that we're going to start doing this probably every other episode. So um, again, uh, hang in with us. Uh, we'll get through this Dune thing. Um, or this might be the only time I ever do it, and that might have been my version of an April Fool's joke. So, that. Ah, thank you, sponsors. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Legion of Dudes. Don't forget they show up on Thursdays. Half Hour Wasted shows up on Mondays. And uh, music's up. At least it will be in post. Okay, um... As a bonus for all of you, um, you can find it on my uh, hard drive. I'm going to include in this one of the greatest songs ever recorded. So, please enjoy the greatest song almost ever recorded. And um, you know what? We'll probably see you next week with a little more standard content. So, until then, please enjoy the song. And this is not Limp Biscuit, but yet, thank you, Limp Biscuit. Rock the house. The sky is wide and the stars are up. 